feedback is important for everyone. And it's important because when you're getting feedback at work, you're not just getting feedback on what you did, but you're also getting feedback on how you did it. And we know that when we think about the long term of people's careers, their rise through organizations, they're getting selected both for their abilities and for their interpersonal fit with the teams they work with, with the leaders they work with, and within the organization's culture. And the feedback we give in our workplaces is imbued with all three of those. And so if women are getting vaguer, more positively inflated feedback that is given with this desire for kindness, yet obscures some of the candor, they might lose out on some of that information about the how to do things here, not just the what to do. Welcome back, everyone. I just wanted to let you know that I've had to take a short break from the podcast. I had some pretty major surgery on my knee, but I'm a lot better now. I'm walking and we are back with our standard weekly programming. So with that, let's get on with today's episode. Welcome back to The Fix, where every week I interview thought leaders, world leaders, academics, business leaders, activists, and ordinary people who are taking action to build workplaces that work for everyone. Today, I'm also joined by my co-host, Kelly Thompson, and we have a special request. If you like our podcast, then please hit subscribe now and leave a review. You can also sign up to our newsletter and get in touch at www.thefixpodcast.org. For most people, we want feedback at work. But if we're totally honest, it's also something that a lot of us dread. Unless feedback is actionable and practical, it just feels like unnecessary criticism or a way for organisations to try and get people to fit into toxic workplace cultures. Now, most of us might not know this, but there's actually a gender gap when it comes to feedback. In the Harvard Business Review article entitled Women Get Nicer Feedback and It Holds Them Back, authors Lily Jampol, Anitha Rattan and Elizabeth Bailey Wolf share how their research finds that even if male and female employees perform at exactly the same level, managers tend to prioritise kindness more when giving feedback to women compared to giving feedback to men. Across a series of studies, these researchers asked about 1,500 MBA students full-time employees and managers based in the United States and the United Kingdom to imagine giving developmental feedback to an employee who needed to improve their performance. The employee was described in exactly the same way to all participants, except that half were told the employee's name was Sarah, while the other half were told that the employee's name was Andrew. The researchers then asked all participants about their goals going into the conversation. And while they all said they wanted to provide candid feedback, those who were told the employee was named Sarah were significantly more likely than those who were told the employee was named Andrew to prioritise being kind as well. This is true regardless of the gender or political orientation of the person giving the feedback. Whether they self-identified as male, female, liberal, conservative, participants consistently reported that being more motivated to be kind when giving feedback to a woman than when giving feedback to a man. There's a number of implications for both men and women when women disproportionately receive softer, kinder, maybe even more ambiguous feedback. As the Harvard Business Review article states, past research has shown that when compared to men, women are more likely to receive inflated feedback and less likely to receive actionable feedback. 
inaccurate, unhelpful or unclear feedback, even when motivated by a desire to be kind, it can end up obscuring critical growth opportunities and cause women ultimately to be less likely to get important job assignments, raises or promotions. At the same time, a lack of kindness in feedback given to men may inhibit their growth, harm their well-being and contribute to a workplace culture imbued with toxic gender norms. We'll be speaking with Dr Lily Jampol, Partner and Head of People Science and Services at ReadySet, and Dr Anitha Rattan, Associate Professor of Organisational Behaviour at London Business School. In this episode, we're going to unpack all things feedback related. So to start us off, Lily will share the important difference between performance reviews and feedback. First of all, where there's a difference between performance feedback and performance reviews. And so I think, you know, when, when we're discussing our work, we're specifically discussing the feedback that women may receive in a written form or a verbal form, but information that's coming directly to them. And the feedback is potentially different from the performance reviews that folks are getting. And so, you know, we found in past work, including my own past work, that the information that women receive can be different than the way that they've actually been evaluated. So this creates a really dangerous gap as well, where the information that women are getting might be kind, or it might lack some of that helpfulness. But some of the biggest damage is when folks are talking to other people about how this person may have underperformed, but then giving them less candid, less accurate feedback as well. And so you're creating this information gap. And also the way that people evaluate you might be more based on that performance review versus the actual feedback that you're getting. And so that was one of the more critical things that's come up from past work as well. But so much of the importance around feedback, again, is going back to that clarity trying to understand where you're at and how other people see you, and then actually getting that actionable, forward-looking, future-focused, and clear information about how you're doing. There's so much work out there showing that women get abstract feedback. They get feedback about their personalities versus you know, the work that they're actually doing. The words that are being used are even very charged in a, in a gendered way. So organized, being very organized versus competent, for example. And we know that that can create a huge discrepancy just in terms of the usefulness of that feedback as well. So in order to be able to grow and create those cultures of growth mindset, but also just advance in your career, you need to have something that is specific enough and actionable enough to be able to, to work on that. Feedback is absolutely critical to our development at work. It helps us close what we call the self-awareness gap which is the gap between how you see yourself and the impact your behavior has and how other people experience this. We all need feedback. It's what helps us learn how to adjust our behavior, as Anitha explains. I would just highlight that feedback is important for everyone. And it's important because when you're getting feedback at work, you're not just getting feedback on what you did, but you're also getting feedback on how you did it. And we know that when we think about the long-term of people's careers, their rise through organizations, they're getting selected both for their abilities and for their interpersonal fit with the teams they work with, with the leaders they work with, and within the organization's culture. And the feedback we give in our workplaces is imbued with all three of those. And so if women are getting vaguer, more positively inflated feedback that is 
given with this desire for kindness, yet obscures some of the candor, they might lose out on some of that information about the how to do things here, not just the what to do. I also would highlight that when it comes to feedback, any individual who comes from a stereotyped background has kind of two layers of interpretation that they're having to do. This is a burden that is placed on them by society, by the world. This is not something they opt into, but it's real and it exists. And so for people who identify as women, especially people who present publicly as women, they often are having to interpret the feedback they receive through the lens of what is useful and what feels right and how can I work on it, but also through the lens of, am I receiving stereotyped feedback? That's absolutely true for men as well, right? So someone who identifies as a man is also potentially (laughs) in a situation where they're receiving stereotype-driven feedback. It's just that in many business contexts, particularly leadership contexts, those stereotypes are actually beneficial if they're being applied to men. And because of that kind of dual layer of evaluation that has to happen, particularly for members of negatively stereotyped groups, feedback that is true, that is honest, that is clear, and that does not carry that suspicion of stereotyping becomes even more critical because that is the kind of feedback that can really project people forward positively in their careers. And it can help them build the experience of trust with leaders and with organizations that is core to the experience of belonging that projects us forward in our careers as well as in our performance. Feedback bias happens when personal experiences and attitudes towards the employee that we're reviewing are shaping the feedback instead of objective and measurable facts. There's a widespread problem with the language used in performance reviews, And that is unconscious bias. And this is a challenge we should all be thinking about because as humans, we all have unconscious biases. Our biases lead us to categorise, compare and make assumptions that reinforce our own often unintentional favouritisms, preconceptions and prejudices, as well as common stereotypes. These conscious and unconscious biases create judgment errors and they affect the feedback that we give and receive in every part of our lives. Here, Anitha shares more on navigating this challenge. I think there are a few ways of knowing whether the feedback is candid and not colored by bias. The first one may surprise you, given that I am very much a scientist, but I actually think women should trust their gut reactions. I think that women are driven to question themselves by not just the biases that exist out there in the world, but by the concern about thinking that something is biased when it's not. (laughs) And I think that the many layers of questions that women catch themselves in a web of asking creates a lot of confusion when in fact, often it is the case that you know it's biased when you experience it. And it's our desire to kind of believe or to wish we lived in unbiased worlds that makes us ask ourselves so very many questions. So my first answer to that is that I think that If women have that suspicion in their gut that it might have been biased feedback, that they should pursue that as a line of questioning, not about themselves and not about their evaluation of the situation, but why do you think that that felt like biased feedback? And then I think that question can spur women to really evaluate, is it something about the content of the feedback? Is it something about the style of feedback delivery? 
Or is it something about the pattern of feedback, either with this leader or manager, or the pattern of feedback within this organization? I have had countless experiences of doing sessions with organizations where afterwards, a small crowd of women will come up to me and they will all say very quietly, kind of trying to make sure no one overhears, we all realized during your session, during the conversations we had in these exercises, that we're all being told the same piece of feedback that none of the men receive, but none of us realized the others were receiving it. And so I I can't tell you how often (laughs) it's either the content or the style, or it's the disparity in who's getting told what, who's getting told to be more assertive, for example, who's getting told they just don't raise their voice often enough, even though When I hear women receive this feedback, I'll tell them, take notes in your meeting, count who speaks and how many times. Take that data into your next conversation about your performance so that you have data to drive an evaluation of whether you're actually speaking up less or whether you're being cut off and spoken over or whether you're just being overlooked despite your contributions. I really encourage women to take an approach and you'll recognize the growth mindset message in what I'm saying, an approach that with the right questions and drawing on your critical thinking skills, which you already have, collecting what data you can, either by comparing with other women, by tracking what you're being told, comparing that perhaps to what some of your male colleagues are being told to kind of query and understand why that feedback feels biased. Once you have that in mind, the question of course becomes, how do you raise that and who do you raise that with? In their article for HBR, Lily, Anitha and Elizabeth shared the truth that constructive feedback is essential for anyone's growth. Most of what we learn at work, actually around 70% happens informally and on the job. We learn through the feedback we get. It's literally how we develop our social and technical skills. So for anyone with people management responsibilities, knowing how to effectively give constructive feedback is a key skill of the job. But as a manager, it can be challenging to get that balance right between being kind, but also clear and firm. Here, Anitha shares more on navigating this challenge. We started with kind of a suspicion, which was that women might evoke different goals in the minds of people who are giving feedback. That suspicion really answers your question. The source of it really answers your question, which is that there is really now a couple of solid decades of research showing that women receive somewhat positively inflated feedback relative to the performance rewards that they receive, relative to their likelihood of getting put up for promotion And in some of Lily's earlier research, she's even shown that people have a tendency to tell white lies to women, just these tiny, seemingly innocuous, but also damaging lies about women's performance to them. So what we know is that there is this landscape of inequity in the style of feedback delivery for women. And we know that that can have an impact on their outcomes in the workplace. And so we really wanted to delve into the question of what is going on in the minds of people giving that feedback that makes them produce these differences based on the gender binary, which is all we've studied to date. And what we really found again and again across a series of studies is that when people approach giving feedback, they always want to be candid, both to women and to men. 
So that's very consistent and that's really good. That's what we want when we see managers, leaders giving feedback to colleagues. But when they're thinking about giving feedback to a woman rather than a man, they kind of automatically want to be kinder to her rather than to him. What we found was the reason is because of the stereotype of women as warm. So in the feedback giver's mind, they see they're giving feedback to a woman. The idea that that woman is kind of warm comes to the fore of their thinking. And so they deliver that feedback in a nicer way, in a kinder way, but in a way that also plates what they're saying, which has some potential negative consequences. When women receive kind or softened feedback, it actually is less helpful to their development because it obscures the messaging and reduces their self-awareness. Women do not need to be coddled. They need constructive feedback. Now, this doesn't mean trying to fix or change women to fit into male-dominated workplaces, but rather it means focusing on how women can develop their strengths and manage their weaknesses. Here, Lily shares more on this. We haven't researched how exactly the consequences are for women or for anybody on the basis of this feedback, but there's quite a bit of research showing that feedback is really essential to performance. It's important for clarity and understanding where you are in reference to how others are seeing you. It's important for being able to do better and understanding what that data is that is informing you on the things that you need to make progress on and the things that are challenging for you. And so without those kinds of reference points, it can be really challenging to understand where to put your energy, your time, and your focus. It's also demoralizing when you know that you can sense that you might be underperforming, but nobody is giving you feedback around that or helping you navigate some of those challenges. And so what we also just hear anecdotally from folks is that a lot of folks do know that they should be receiving feedback and it can feel destabilizing to know that someone, especially if you're your manager whose job it is to, to give you that kind of feedback, isn't walking you through that. The reason that I originally had this idea to do any of the work around this gender biased feedback is because in grad school, I felt like I wasn't getting any performance feedback around my work. And so it was kind of just flailing around, um, not knowing how I was doing, but kind of having this underlying feeling that something wasn't quite right or that I should be getting more information about what my manager or what my advisor thought of me. And especially after talking to some of my male-identified colleagues, hearing that they got feedback all the time, that was a big question mark in my mind. Does this happen for other women. And so, you know, there's the psychological consequences of this, of just already feeling that stereotype threat, that threat that you were underperforming and then not knowing how you're doing and then not having that actual information to work on, which is can be really challenging and demoralizing and ultimately be an obstacle for advancement within the workplace as well. Inequality costs everyone, just in different ways and different amounts. Giving women kinder, softer, more ambiguous feedback detrimentally impacts men, as Anitha explains. So one thing to always be aware of when we talk about gender inequity in the workplace is that gender inequity of all types involves everyone, regardless of how they identify. And sometimes in conversations about the different biases that women face, people forget to acknowledge that if women are being disadvantaged, then uh, in the traditional binary, men are receiving an advantage. What we found absolutely fascinating in our work 
And what is something that we really are still thinking about and trying to contend with in terms of the practical implications for leaders and organizations is the implication of our finding that women get kinder feedback. Converse statement is that men are getting less kind feedback. Again, in our studies, we consistently found that women and men received equally candid feedback. What that means to us or to me in interpretation is that people are getting feedback that has a goal of being candid. But when people think about giving that feedback to men, they just don't worry as much about coming across as harsh, possibly as blunt, possibly even as inconsiderate. Those are all words that we used in the measures of our studies. And the concern that we should all have for organizational climate, organizational culture, and for gender equity is about the implications of men going through careers where they receive feedback. And perhaps it is more clear, perhaps it is more concrete, and therefore perhaps it's more actionable, as Lily was just describing. But at the same time, it perhaps comes without that kind of sense of support, without that sense of kindness. And the link we make as an implication of our work, we haven't looked directly at this yet, but the link we make is that this could perhaps shape why many men report working in or cultures of toxic masculinity, cultures where they are supposed to perform as though they are emotionless, kind of prototypical, stereotypical alpha males without consideration of the fact that they are full humans with the full range of emotions who are equally deserving of kindness as much as women are. And so those are the implications we think about when it comes to men. The bottom line in our work that hopefully is clear to everyone listening is that people should receive equal feedback regardless of how they identify in terms of their gender. And whenever there is an inequity like the one that we've documented with kindness bias, it absolutely has the potential to harm women, but it also has the potential to harm men. And as Lily noted, we haven't yet looked at more complex versions of genders at trans men or trans women. We haven't yet looked at non-binary people, but we absolutely believe that some of the dynamics that we are identifying ought to apply to feedback given to those individuals as well. Given the important role that feedback has on an employee's development, engagement and performance, all leaders need to have the tools and the understanding about how to get it right. Here Lily shares her advice. I work quite extensively with leaders on how to create cultures of feedback and make sure that we can debias some of our uh, performance feedback systems and also behavioral approaches. So there's quite a few things that we can do. The first and foremost, I think, is creating this culture of feedback at your organization. And that takes time, but it means setting up some of the infrastructure, setting up some of those systems so that feedback becomes a little bit of a less of a fraught thing. People don't like to give feedback. There's so much research showing that people delay and distort or sometimes never give feedback at all. And then people receiving feedback don't process it well because they've never existed within a fair feedback environment or they've never had to deal with feedback. And so there's so much complexity around feedback, but we see it done so poorly across so many organizations. So setting up that culture of feedback is really important. Being able to establish kind of these common touch points, these 
these very frequent touch points around feedback early and often, early interventions when folks seem to be struggling and being able to instill this idea that feedback is welcomed by leaders asking for feedback themselves, being able to model that is so important within a culture that feedback is welcome and that it's received well, and that we are also asking about how people prefer to receive feedback. So one of the other pieces that I usually advise leaders around is don't make assumptions about what people need when it comes to feedback. And that's where so much of this bias lies, right? Even if we're aware of it or not, we're making an assumption about what someone wants or needs. Even in our own research, we find that folks feel like kind feedback is more helpful. And so it's really important to not make those assumptions on the basis of gender or any other type of identity. So the way that we do that is we ask for folks to share feedback preferences up front and to ask those, especially when you get a new direct report or someone who you're going to be managing, say, hey, I like to receive feedback like this. I prefer to receive a critical feedback, not in the moment, but when we're sitting down together in a private space, not in front of a group. Feedback is very triggering for me in these ways. And so if you can avoid, you know, using these words. Now, of course, you know, for managers, it's really important that they are able to give that feedback effectively, but knowing those preferences can help get around that. And then really just prepping that feedback in advance. So many folks go into feedback sessions without having put thought to the words they're going to say to someone. And that's where, you know, those emotions get really heightened. Folks get really tense because all of a sudden there's all these social concerns are they going to like me? Am I going to make them upset? And so you lose focus and you lose track of the narrative, the really important thing that you're trying to say. Most managers who we talk to, they want to give candid feedback. They know that feedback is important and that it's part of their job, but they lose that focus as soon as they're in a room feeling stressed out about it. So we really advise that you prep that in advance. You write it out and you say, what are the three things I really need to get across? And it doesn't matter what else I say, but I really need to get these three things across because it's important for the employee. And then the final thing is really taking a review of all of the feedback that has been given. A lot of folks, you know, experience bias. We know that it exists even in the best of cultures, even in the most practical environments, but very few people go back and audit feedback and take a look. What was said? What was given? Are there differences across gender, race, the intersection of the two, any other social identity that you can think of and be able to say, let's look at this from a systemic bird's eye view and make sure that we're not losing folks in the process, that there aren't issues going on. And so those are a few of the things that, that I usually recommend to managers and organizations to help mitigate some of these biases. Finally, we asked Lily and Danitha to share their thoughts on what women can do. Now, before you say anything, I know I don't believe women can or should solve inequality they don't create. I'm not in the business of fixing women. But it is helpful to know that there are specific things you can do if the feedback you're getting is not aiding your development. So first, Lily is going to share her thoughts on what you can do, and then she'll be followed up by Anitha. We're not in the business of fixing women and that a lot of this comes down to managerial actions and also organizations. However, we know that that's not always the reality. We want to have some sense of agency and autonomy when it comes to understanding what's going on for us. I always start with ask questions. You can ask questions about what's going on and that might lead to that organizational process of reviewing feedback just from a more of an organizational point of view. But when you're in a session with a manager, it's also okay to say, hey, 
I know that feedback is tough and I would love to receive your candid thoughts about how I'm doing. And sometimes just giving folks permission to give accurate, healthy feedback can just open the floodgates for real, actual, helpful feedback. Because a lot of folks think that, you know, you might not want that type of feedback. But when you're coming in saying, I actually want and need this for my career. And, you know, I love it when my employees come to me and and say, I just finished this presentation, you were in the room, can you please tell me and please don't hold back all of the things that you think I should know about that. And it just, it it does make it feel a little easier as a manager to say, oh, great, you're open to this. You have a growth mindset about it. And I think, you know, Anita's done quite a bit of research on growth mindsets and having an understanding of that and bringing it to the forefront is so important. There's also a great piece of research that I read recently, and I'm forgetting the authors at the moment, but maybe we can find them. We're asking for advice versus feedback. It can alleviate a little bit of that pressure as well. And I love using this piece of feedback when I coach folks because most people are open to giving advice, but the word feedback holds so many connotations to it. But ultimately, people give the same type of information in that when they're giving advice and feedback. So that's another great little trick that you can use to get people to open up a bit more. Just adding to what Lily said, I would also draw a little bit of insight from our final study in the paper. In that study, we found that feedback givers really thought kind feedback would be more helpful for women. And so the really concrete piece of advice I give to my MBAs, to my executives who I work with when I'm out doing consulting, the concrete piece of advice I give is tell your feedback giver what would be really helpful for me would be if you could explain exactly how that's impacting my work, whatever piece of vague feedback you've been. What would be really helpful to me would be if you could walk through an example of the business impact of me not having developed as much as I could in the domain you're describing. It's exactly what Lily said in terms of asking questions, taking a growth mindset. But if we in our research have shown that people are genuinely trying to give feedback that they believe will be helpful to women, then women might be able to harness that as a concrete strategy to kind of turn around the conversation. I also just wanted to supplement what Lily shared in terms of individual action with one more thing that I think women do have to keep in mind. As much as organizations have made really great strides toward trying to address and tackle some of these issues of bias in their own ranks, led by leaders, women often still find themselves in the position of kind of falling into whisper networks where they speak with other women who've been in the same position, who've been in the same teams, and they all agree that they're having similar, different experiences from their male-identifying colleagues. And in those situations, in those organizations, when women do feel able to and safe to do so, I really encourage them to speak up and raise this as an issue. So often a woman who's thinking, ah, I think this kindness bias might be what's going on with me. Often that woman is not alone. Her peers, her colleagues, even some of you know those in the senior ranks above her might be feeling that as well. And that's where I think women can share this piece, share this information, but also ask their diversity leads, ask their organizational leaders to do the kind of audit or review that Lily described earlier. 
Because sometimes organizations really need internally to document a problem within their own pre-existing data before they're ready to take the kinds of actions Lily described in terms of really investing in developing better and better feedback cultures. And I've been really impressed by the number of women I've seen out there in organizations kind of band together and take a step to speak up collectively and actually find ways to create change. Exactly as you said, to fix the system so that we don't have generation of women after generation of women having to learn how to tackle these biases. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. There are so many great ideas there for how we can reduce bias in giving feedback, a critical part of an equitable working culture. If you liked our episode, then please share it with your colleagues, tag us in your posts, and you can also subscribe now and leave a review wherever you get your podcast. Your support means a lot, so thank you. Also, if you're interested in partnering with us or being a guest on the show, please reach out through our website, thefixpodcast.org. You can also sign up to our monthly newsletter and contribute your story there. Thanks again, and I'll catch you all again next week.